Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. This podcast, Sunday, January 30th, 2022. Another day in America. I woke up bright and early this morning, and uh, ran halfway up a mountain, well, a, a small mountain. I live on an island. It's at sea level, so the top of the mountain's only uh, 800 feet or so. But didn't quite make it to the top. I was uh, more keen to run real fast down and did some push-ups. Had a couple pots of coffee. Did some writing. Now it's mid-morning. Good January storm is brewing. Some light rain, good wind. Plenty cold. After a bit of free flowing, kind of, you know, got caught up on the news, and uh, it's kind of the same shit. It'd just be. It could, definitely, media plays a role in the whole way things are presented. You know, the whole two-party bipartisan thing, you know, the whole presenting certain, deciding what bits of information is indeed news. There's a lot of shit going on. There's five billion of us on this planet doing all kinds of things, you know, every single day. What any of us is doing at any given moment, you know, isn't necessarily news, but for some reason, some particular people just what they're up to on a particular day becomes news you know and, and for whatever reason for many decades Donald John Trump was one of these particular types of people who uh just what he was up to at various periods of you know points in his life became news you know uh, there's plenty of people that go through bankruptcy and have you know divorce and stuff and all that kind of stuff but that's like those things were like why he was famous and it like became why we knew about him you know it was news donald trump got divorced you know, it's like so why are we supposed to care it's always confusing but it's still kind of going on but now it's more like well he's the former president so he was saying stuff today so now we got to talk about it on the news and it's like why Especially like a mainstream news or anything defining itself as such. Who, who cares what Donald Trump said? You know, if you want to find out what he said, go to his, go follow him. However, it is that you can follow him because he's been banned from some of his main uh, platforms that he likes to spread his messaging on. My own uh, particular service that I use, Anchor App, makes it available on Spotify and I believe a lot of other podcast apps. I'm sticking with that and certainly sticking with Spotify, even though certain artists are leaving it because they don't like Joe Rogan. You know, sometimes uh, people on the left almost uh, prove the people on the right correct. You know, it's the sort of overreactionary, over political correctness type shit. You know, Neil Young doesn't like what Joe Rogan is saying, so Neil Young's going to take his music off of Spotify. It's like, dude, what are you doing, man? You know, 
So can't listen to Harvest now because Neil Young doesn't like Joe Rogan. Or at least doesn't like what he's saying about the mask mandates. You know, you're not not allowed to voice your opinion on those. And I'm not a anti-mask person. I'm fully vaxxed and boosted. And kind of feel at this point it's... at now it's prob the people who are anti-mask probably have a point at this point you know 800,000 have already died we're already into the omicron variant and stuff the people who are refusing to get vaccinated they're pretty much the only ones dying so yeah they would be cool if they got vaxxed so they could take care of themselves and stop spreading the disease but i don't know how you like force them to do it you can highly advise that's what government can do. It can highly advise, but when it starts dictating to people how to be, you're going to run into problems. People just on pure principle are going to reject the notion of it simply because you're mandating that they do it. The word mandate, you know, highly advise, highly recommend, much better way of phrasing it. But when, as soon as you say mandate, <clears throat> you know, the, the the hairs on the back of the neck goes up, you know, the, the, the spidey sense starts, you know, whoop. Why, why are you mandating it? But, you know, it is what it is. It's the time that we're in, you know. So that's that's people's, uh, you know, that's the sword they're going to fall on. Uh, masks don't work or whatever. And I don't believe in vaccinations. And What a way to go. What a way to... It's. I'm just. I, that to me was a, like a certain version of Russian roulette, and I just wasn't. I'm not taking that chance. So I. So I. I got vaxxed right away and got boosted a few weeks ago, and the boost has really been like a boost. I really feel a little bit sharper even or something, and it just seemed to be processing stuff with a little bit more clarity. Um, you just take a step back from all the nonsense, and it's like people jumped onto the like anti-vax bandwagon thing really quick. And it might have just been the verbiage that government was using. Why say the word mandate? You know, masks required and stuff like that. But then it's also like Republicans get, they get themselves a knot sometimes when they like want individual liberty. But that also includes like how businesses want to run themselves, you know. So if the owner of a business wants to say, yeah, we have the right to refuse service to anyone, including people who don't understand how vaccines work and want to risk exposing employees and customers to an airborne illness just because they don't want to wear a mask. The owner of a company has the right to refuse service to that customer. They have every right to. Absolutely. That's not discrimination. You not believing in vaccinations or masks, it that's that's not like a that's not the same as a religious belief or being an ethnicity or something. That's a lack of understanding that you're choosing to have, you know. So an owner of a business has every right to refuse service to you, you know. So what the government should have done, though, is, of course, is highly advise businesses have a mask mandate requirement so, so that it's coming from the business itself, you know. We, the business, are saying you, the customer, must wear a mask. We are saying it to you, not the government man, you know. I mean, 
And it, that would have been very helpful, but, you know, it got into, you must do this. And as soon as you start doing that, it, it gets people agitated and they start getting pissed off just on pure principle. Because they feel like the government's forced to tell them what to do. Now, it does get confusing when those very people that are, you know, getting all high, high and mighty about government overreach are also like very passionate advocates for the banning of certain medical procedures, you know, or the continued prohibition of certain types of plants, you know, or the... Uh, voter restriction type stuff where it makes it very difficult to vote you know that kind of stuff is definitely government overreach it's uh people in government are kind of abusing their power government kind of meddling in people's affairs too much and kind of dictating what the government should be and not really responding to the will of the people But that's where we are. That's where we are. The main platform of the modern-day Republican Party, one of the two options that we are presented in media, is Donald Trump is awesome. That's kind of the Republican message. Uh, and, you know, the Democrats are socialists. Uh, mask mandates are bad. Um, Uh, the Democrats are going to steal your guns. That, that's, the, that's the basic gist of the Republican message. And it works well enough to convince a, you know, enough people spread out in just the right way across America uh, to go along with it and to vote Republican. It does require pretty extensive funding of uh, various conservative media like Fox News, InfoWars and the AON network, or what is it, the Conservative News Network? I forget what it's called. Anyway, but uh, you know, a lot of billionaires fund these types of outlets so that very specific types of messaging can be directed towards very specific types of people living in certain communities and to cater to those interests and to kind of exploit people's fears exploit people's maybe lack of understanding on certain issues and to kind of confuse and muddle issues and to mainly the the main purpose of conservative media is to convince working class folk to vote republican that's the main goal republicans stay in power what are they going to do with that power they're going to cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations and they're going to cut funding to infrastructure investment health care and education. How will those things benefit our society? Well, to the Republicans, what they'll do, what they'll say is that those kind of things preserve the republic, you know, uh, because the wealthy will have more money, and so they'll be able to more further secure their way of life for a longer period of time with even less work. And so that, that's good for them. And so that means that those wealthy people's estates can become even more vast, you know, and, and, and there you go. Yep. So pre preserving the republic, preserving the way of life of the affluent class and making sure that they can maintain the life that they've become comfortable to, comfortable with and accustomed 
in perpetuity without ever having to really actually work. Um, you know, for example, the Trump family. You know, what is it that they do? What do they actually do? They, they, they wear suits. They wear nice clothes. They go on TV. They do interviews. You know, the the SNL bit that they do on the Weekend Update with uh, Eric and Don Trump Jr. It's it's barely satire. You know, it's pretty dead on. You know, um, they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. Okay, they they were born into affluence, and so. Republican Party is the organization that makes sure that people like that, families like that, can maintain the life that they've become accustomed to with little to any work, while giving off some sort of perception that they do all kinds of stuff, when they, they really don't do anything. They wear nice clothes, they have fancy vacations and stuff, and they live in fancy places, and they have fancy, fun, luxurious adventures. And, and you know, they have companies in their name that they have certain titles, um, that, you know, they might go meetings and have phone calls and stuff and meet with people and stuff. But, yeah, they're not, they don't really have to do anything. You, you know, other people do the stuff for them. And then most of the time they, they just don't pay them. And then so those people have to sue them to try to get the money that they're owed and then end up having to settle out of court. Um, so it would certainly be nice if uh, more working-class folks stopped voting for an organization that is so catered to the interest of a very tiny group of people, because it's not even all ultra-affluent people who support Republican Party. There's plenty of people in the ultra-affluent class who, ve who are very progressive, people who make millions of dollars a year and are very pro-wealth tax, a, a, thus very specific tax that they would indeed be paying. You know, they're pro-that. Warren Buffett is one of those multi-billionaire says yes I should be taxed more you know now to be fair if you're a billionaire and, and truly that innovative and whatever you should figure out a way to maintain the life that you've become accustomed to without having to stay a billionaire you, you know that that's obviously too much money and uh, Warren Buffett is a pretty frugal guy lives very comfortably but he, he could obviously cut his net worth to about 500 million or so without changing his way of life at all it would still stay exactly the same you know so it's the number is almost purely a number it's it's almost imaginary now you know and that's what you get when individual human beings are allowed to hoard that much currency currency with purpose is to make the buying and selling of goods and services easier because in the old days when there wasn't any currency you would have to you know, trade and barter, a, a thing for the other thing, something for a service, and, you know, how many cows equals a, you know, I don't know, a, several horseshoes or whatever the fuck, you know, like, the currency just makes things a little easier, but certain individual humans are allowed to basically hoard currency, and then it, it, it creates, a, well, inflation, because the value of money gets distorted, you know, if it's it's like uh, like it's like some people are playing with monopoly money. You know, the average person has a net worth of possibly even negative or, or barely anything in total net worth. You know, how much money do you owe in your house? What's all the assets you have? What's all the money in your checking account? What's all your debts? You know, me personally, I almost have a negative net worth. Possibly, you know, I mean, who knows? I have no idea, but. There's individual humans with thousands of millions, 
you know, and it's and it's growing every day, doing nothing. You know, its interest alone is in the millions of dollars a year. When you lower their tax rate, it just balloons that much more exponentially. Hence, you know, a few uh, just five years after the Republicans cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations, the wealthiest got even wealthier by a lot, like billions of more dollars came into their pockets. Individual human beings with thousands of more millions. And 800,000 people died during that time, too. You know, kind of the wealth of a very tiny group of people growing was inverse related to mass unemployment, um, homelessness, a, a stagnating economy, and, you know, many in the workforce dying off from an airborne illness. You know, they're, they're completely inverse related. Um, Republican Party's focus is to focus on the upper affluent class. Uh, they view the upper affluent class as like the sort of most important and the people that could have the greatest uh, effect in a positive way uh, with more money, you know, th and, and therefore should be the only ones that should get more money because they know what to do with it, you know. Hence, 2017, Donald Trump and the Republican Party sign a tax bill into law that cuts taxes for the wealthy and corporations. Yes, Donald Trump ran a campaign on building a wall and banning Muslims and all that kind of nonsense, crazy shit, and whatever. Once in, once he was president, cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations. He went right along with the Republican primary objective. Donald Trump, a very wealthy man of affluence who inherited $400 million in today's dollars from his father, was certainly the type of guy that would benefit from a lower tax rate. He himself, in his first year as president, paid $750 in taxes. On my preliminary run of uh, my tax bill, this, this past uh, 2021, I've already paid over $2,000 in federal income tax, and on my first run-through to attempt to file my taxes, uh, my software thing said I was going to still owe another $160. So needless to say, I'm going to probably consult a professional and see what's going on there, because, you know, I don't make a whole lot of money. It would seem crazy to me uh, that me, a person making, you know, for the majority of the year... I was working six days a week, making about 23 to 25 an hour, would pay more in taxes than Donald John Trump did the first year he was president of the United States of America. That seems off. There's something wrong about that. But I already have paid in 2021 over $2,000 in taxes. I paid more money in taxes in 2021 than Donald Trump did. And that's a fact. I'm just a regular person. You know, why is the president of the United States of America paying less money in taxes than I am? And he's supposedly a billionaire. Even if he didn't have a salary as president, he was still earning money from other stuff. You know, he still got a lot of benefit from being president in the financial form. And I suppose, yeah, travel stipends and all that are non-taxable or something. But he was also able to avoid taxes altogether for about 20 years just because he was such a poor, horrible business person. He lost so much money that he was able to claim a massive loss. Really just, the reason he was able to claim a loss is because he himself is bad at managing companies. And maybe that was the entire point to begin with.
maybe the purpose of the Trump organization all along, and it will eventually be discovered, was never to even be profitable. It was just to stay open long enough, kind of like the scene in Goodfellas, where uh, Ray Liotta and Joe Pesci's character are sitting outside the bar after uh, the one guy can't pay Paulie's... It's a shame. It's a, it's a shame. So you just blow the place up. Fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay me. I mean, that scene is how a lot of our economy works. And it, it, it's from the perspective of Goodfellas, you know, gangsters, but that shit's real. You know, Donald Trump did that, but fully out in the open. You create this big entity, you just drain the resources of the entity, just run up the run up the debts, squeeze every resource you can out of it, and then declare bankruptcy. And during bankruptcy, there might still be some value in it, and you might even still get some kind of stipend or some kind of fee while it's in bankruptcy. And it's in bankruptcy because you purposely ran it into bankruptcy. <laughs> uh, and he was able to do this over and over and over again, fully out in the view, fully public knowledge. It's not a secret. It's like what he's famous for. And God bless him. You know, 2016, there was enough people that voted for him for him to win the Electoral College to become president of the United States of America. Now, he did lose the popular vote by about 5 million, but somehow that did, just didn't matter. It, we're a weird country, a very weird country. The Republican Party is, it, they're pushing it here. You know, they're really pushing it. Um, where they are behaving as if they have the majority will of the people when they do not and have not for a long, long time. You know, he, Donald Trump is not the first Republican president to lose the popular vote and still become president anyway. You know, this, this has happened before, you know, and there, there's, there's something off about it. You know, this electoral college thing has got to go. It was the entire reason that Donald Trump was able to do this whole election fraud thing, because a few states he only lost by, you know, a few thousand. Now, he, he lost the overall vote by about 7 million. That's a lot. It wasn't close. He did very, very well. He did do very well, but he finished in second place in 2020. Second place, a distant second. You know, yes, his supporters were extremely passionate and loud and they wore big costumes and they gathered in big auditoriums and yelled and screamed and they were loud, man. Yeah, and, and, and they really felt like they were the majority because they were so loud and vocal, you know, and, and, and proud of their support of Trump. And they screamed it from the mountaintops and they, again, they, they gathered in big coliseums all across the country. You know, and some of them would like, you know, travel all around. You know, it was like a, like deadheads used to do and stuff. To travel to Grateful Dead shows and stuff. There were people that would like travel around to go to the various Trump shows. You know, and just see them over and over and over again. And there'd be other enthusiastic fans there, like-minded, and they, yeah, they they really got into it. They had a good time, fun at the Trump show such a good time you know uh, one of those kind of to each his own type of thing you know the analogy I always think of is uh, insane clown posse 
just not a band I ever really got into. One dude was on a saw him on an interview show once, and he actually seemed like a kind of an interesting dude, but I just never really got into the music. But I mean, to each his own. People dig what they're into, you know. And for some people that that was their form of cathartic release, entertainment, whatever, communal, what have you, for several years now, going to the Trump show, you know, it, that that was their thing. Now, I've been at one, and I, you know, I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand the entertainment value in it, um, or educational, or spiritual, or anything. It, it's kind of begs the question why you know you know why is this person so you know enthralling to these people why do they find him so endearing and interesting and what is it about him you know i don't get it um but you know i, n I never did but when i was at the trump thing live uh, i was selling snacks and stuff to mega folk kind of hanging way back and there was a big kind of sea of space between you know the the crowd of people getting as close as they could to the stage and me and my fellow attempts selling snacks and stuff way in the back there and it was just uh man it was just a strange experience it was just because actually seeing it seeing him on tv you you like it didn't. He didn't even look that good on TV, even with the producing and stuff, and even with the, like the camera angle, with like the people on the stage during the early ones where he positioned the people back on stage to give the impression of enthusiastic support and stuff. Even when he was on TV, I still just was like, it, this can't be real and stuff, you know? There's no way there's that kind of support for the guy. But I saw it with my own eyes in Spokane where when he was running through where there was people that were really into him but they were just kind of small in number and it just seemed like a small little enclave you know they were passionate and loud and they played the hits you know build the wall lock her up you know he, he did those i can't remember at all what what else he talked about um but i, I do remember that and he also did the the uh, get our get him out of here stick thing you know where like there's a protester and so everyone around him started yelling trump 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 and then uh you know someone came in and escorted that protester out now i was pretty far back and all that so i couldn't really see the specific protester i did kind of was like watching closely and i could see lots of the mega folk getting excited like kind of looking around trying to find this mysterious protester but uh, it looked like a lot of them were disappointed to never actually have seen the supposed protester. But I remember Donald Trump being on stage and kind of pointing, pointing at someone and saying, "Get him out of there!" And then the crowd kind of cheering. And but I never actually heard any protesting prior to Trump pointing the person out. You know, I certainly couldn't hear anything from way back in the you know concession area there. But uh, you know, that was just part of the show. You know, that's. And that's what it was. That's certainly what it was for Trump. You know, put on the show. Uh, those people who enjoy the show well enough will actually vote for him to be president. And then, shit, if he gets enough votes, he'll get to be the president, you know. And, yeah, so, you know, the presidency of Donald Trump 
it's about what you would expect when, you know, you, you give the President of the United States of America that job to that specific guy. Donald John Trump, you know, famous con man guy, had a cameo in Home Alone 2, bankrupted six dis different companies, famous for, uh, well, those things, and then also uh, cheating on his wives, being just kind of racist, sexist, and stupid, and a whore for publicity, kind of a D-list celebrity. Um, he also appeared at WWE events and was a frequent guest of the Howard Stern Show. He did not write Art of the Deal. He did not write that book. He is the subject of that book. Tony Schwartz wrote Art of the Deal, and uh, he's an interesting character, Tony Schwartz. It's like uh, he spent the last several years trying to kind of uh, come to terms with the fact that he wrote this book, he he did, about this weird person named Trump that helped elevate that person's career, and that guy eventually became president, you know, uh, this very strange sort of sociopathic, narcissistic uh you know, just corrupt in mind and spirit person by the name of Trump. And so, you know, but if, of course, it's certainly helped Schwartz's career as well. So it's one of those weird sort of uh, arrangements that sometimes happens with people in the arts, I guess, you know, you get the chance to write about some despicable character, but doing so elevates that person's status, but also yours as well, you know, so... Yeah, it'd be cool to see more of the interviews because he has an interesting perspective because he uh, interviewed Trump for that book. He, again, Tony Schwartz is the guy that wrote Art of the Deal. Yes, on the Art of the Deal, it has a picture of Donald Trump and he's sitting on a desk or whatever is that stu the stupid picture is and it says, by Donald Trump and it, it also says, with Tony Schwartz. So, Donald Trump doesn't read or write books, okay? That's not what he does. I, I don't know why anyone would think that. that it's just... It's disrespectful to people who write and read books to say that Donald Trump reads and writes books. Okay, that's not what he does. Tony Schwartz wrote Art of the Deal, and Donald Trump is the subject of that book. Yeah, it's about him. Yeah. So obviously, I don't really have any desire to read that stupid book. I, I remember when that stupid book came out, I was like a kid, and it was just like, that guy wrote a book? No way. Why would people want to read that? I remember there was like people lining around the block to read that stupid thing, and they came a New York Times bestseller and all this stuff. It's like how to be a ruthless prick who doesn't give a fuck about anything and does anything to make money, you know? Oh, great! Yay! Just just hit back harder, get even, and all this shit. Just be ruthless, uncaring. Just great. Yeah, it was certainly a product of its time. It doesn't age well, um, you know, but he, I, he, he doesn't age well, but he, he still has an enthusiastic following. But it continues to be a kind of a fringe element, you know. There's there's still vote most people that I would think kind of loathe the man, you know. But uh, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? Media needs to start presenting other options. It, it, it just has. We have to come to terms with the Trump thing here. We, you know, we, we got to find a way to where he's just not an option. You know, he got to be president for four years. If, if people are truly at this thing where the only possible person that could lead our country is the one and only Donald John Trump, well, okay, you, you drank too much of the Kool-Aid. There's no one person that fits that title. Okay, that that's the reality. 
you know, it's 300 million people in it. So it's it's just who is the best of of the list of names. And if the, the best name can't get it, we'll get the next best name, you know, type of thing. There isn't one and only person for the job, you know. If, if you're being lulled into thinking that, you're being manipulated. You know, obviously Donald John Trump is not the only person for the job of president. In fact, he's... He shouldn't. He should really be one of the a fairly decent list of names that's just ineligible, you know, in 2024. We gotta we gotta find someone else, Republicans. You know, pick somebody else. Is there no one else in your ranks that's halfway decent, has some level of integrity, honesty? You know, do you have any some empathetic, humane concerns about the people? The, the the people of the United States of America, you know, the the real working class folk and how they live their lives. Do you have any in your ranks that are proposing legislation that will benefit the people's day to day lives? So you're proposing banning abortion. Um, so how does that benefit people's day to day lives? I get that you're going to get real fired up about pro life and that. Yeah, great. But where's the where's the benefit part? So is healthcare right now? Then so it's pro-life. Great, babies are expensive and very delicate creatures. And um, when a woman is ten weeks pregnant, she doesn't have a baby yet. She's just pregnant, you know. So. You're now forcing by law saying she must have go through with this, even if she can't, she will or face consequences. Oh, okay, so how are you helping her out then? You're going to help her out then, right? She was getting that procedure because she had to, because she couldn't go through with the pregnancy. She knew that between her and her maker or whatever, you know, you don't understand that or whatever, that that's fine. That's not, you're not that person. But the, the problem with the banning of the procedure is it doesn't offer solutions. It, it just says, well, oh, you're fucked. Sorry. Deal with it. You, you know, like, and then the, and then the people celebrating the treat because they're saving lives. Whose life? Whose life are you saving? Which person is it? Which person is the one that's benefiting? Which person? Can you and their name, please? Give the name of the person that who's benefiting from now. Abortion is illegal. Oh, so who's the person that's benefiting? Can you give their name again, please? I'm trying to understand. I get that. You know, it just gets very tough when the government is intervening in that. You know, I believe that a life begins at conception. Okay. Okie dokie. So you you do you, man, okay? Um you you have a whoops. Oh well tough luck, I guess. Uh or whatever I don't know. I you know. Um or there's something more serious going on and there's uh, complications may arise or something even more serious and that government man doesn't just, uh, it's just none of the government's man's business as to, as to the whys, you know. Tough shit is the government's man response. And no, we're not going to provide health care or child care or anything in assistance any way at all this 
life that we're forcing you to bring into this world that isn't even really showing yet. And we're going to get bogged down into the weeds at what specific point we think it's appropriate and stuff for you, person. Huh. Yeah. Meanwhile, healthcare is not a right, nor is education is right, and the, the wealthy got more money. You know, but that that's the thing. The Republicans, once they check off their list of the important stuff, cutting taxes for the wealthy and corporations, then they start getting to the kind of draconian stuff. You know? Let's make certain medical procedures illegal. Let's exploit people's kind of fears and certain stuff and use it as a kind of a way to suppress people. Because again, in Texas, if you're a wealthy white woman, can you get an abortion under the new law? Yes, yes you can, of course. Why would you not be able to get an abortion if you're a wealthy white woman in Texas? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's strictly illegal in the state of Texas. Right, sure, yeah. Unless you're a wealthy white woman, then you'll have no problem getting one. Yeah, obviously. We all know that. Okay. So that's what the law is about. Okay. But it's trying to pretend like it's something different. No, it's the government dictating to, to women and very specific types of women how they need to be and then kind of punishing them and kind of subjugating them and, you know, and deciding what's in their best interest, you know, and then sort of exploiting people's kind of, you know, passions, if you will, you know. It's um, it's not right, you know. Government shouldn't really be meddling in that. <sighs> but they do, you know. And then uh, the people that are uh, supporting a banning abortion, restricting voting access, continuing prohibition on cannabis, the supporting of the building of the wall, the supporting of Donald Trump, who represented fascism is also the organization that defines itself as small government and fiscally conservative. And uh, the media lets them get away with it. Because the thing about the way the media presents the news is it's, they all participate in it. It's, it, it's the, you know, the horse, the two-horse race, bipartisanship, kind of red versus blue. That's what works best in their minds for ratings. And that's what they're really about. You know, they want to get eyeballs on the screen. They're not really trying to necessarily... truly just inform you. They're trying to keep you engaged to their channel so that when uh, they go to commercial, uh, you'll watch the ads because they get a lot of money from those companies. Those companies pay a lot of money to those channels so that they can run their ads on their networks. That's what keeps those networks on the air. Yeah, advertising you know, for big products and commerce and all that kind of stuff. So you can kind of tell what the network thinks its audience is or what the uh, ad you know by the ads that you see on the on the network so fox news can be a lot of pharmaceutical ads tons of pharmaceutical ads on a, a lot of the news networks on both sides it's an important thing to keep in mind fox news is a uh, conservative propaganda station cnn msnbc abc nbc all that are corporate news stations not necessarily liberal of course because corporations in and of themselves are, are not liberal. They almost can't be, because they're not human. Corporations are concerned with increasing shareholder value. And, and I say concerned, but that's not really the right way to phrase it, because, again, they're not human. They're not alive. A corporation is an entity which, whose which purpose is to increase shareholder value. And MSN, NBC, 
you know, all the, all the major networks and all that sort of thing. News Corp. These are corporations. That that's what they are. You know, and and the sector of the economy they are in is uh, well, media, and then there's sort of subcategories, and there's this sort of you know TV news or news propaganda, well, not but you know punditry, and it kind of a stew of sort of information being presented to you that's uh, current events. But they have to sort of what what events to cover, how to cover them, how to present them to you in a certain way that makes you most agreeable to certain things that they're trying to preserve. You know, um, the Dow Jones. How much? How often is that talked about in the news? It's, it's spoken of a very as a as if it's a very important thing. Why is this? Why does the news care? If you're invested in those companies. When the Dow Jones goes up, great, your portfolio just went up in value. If you don't own any of those companies but work for one of them, what does it mean if the if their the value went up? Well, for you, the person working there, uh, it means nothing. Yeah, you're not getting a pay raise or anything. And if you don't own any of those companies, it it means even less than nothing. Yeah, you're getting nothing. Yeah, Dow Jones is is just what it is. That it's all it is. It's it's just the value of those specific companies at at any given moment, all collectively. That that's it. What what's the average selling price, share price of a collection of various big massive companies being traded on the New York Stock Exchange? So it's just that. That and only that. So it, it can only d- d- there's a lot that's inferred from that that's maybe shouldn't really be inferred, you know. But it's uh, kind of gets back to the concentration of wealth of a tiny group of people. Uh, vast holdings they can have, and they can sort of deliberately allow a price to drop, you know, by just selling off. They can sell off, say, you know, 20% of their holdings all at once. Or at various times, kind of just enough to kind of like maybe create just enough of a slight sell-off among people price dips down Joe just enough and then they can buy back their holdings at a you know extremely discounted rate and this is something that can go on you know every day you know in the massive amounts and, it, and it's a certain privilege that people with uh, massive amounts of money have and uh, again they are the specific group of people that the Republican Party was most focused on reducing their tax rate for back in 2016. Mitt Romney, old Republican candidate from back in the day, his sort of uh, sword to fall on was reducing capital gains taxes. You know, those darn capital gains taxes. How do you avoid capital gains tax if you're a normal working class person? Well, invest in a traditional IRA, 401k, Roth IRA. Any of the gains you have an interest that's inside of that vehicle, is tax deferred. Yeah, you don't have to pay any in- tax on the interest until you actually take distributions from it whenever that is. The traditional IRA, it's tax deferred, meaning you reduce your taxable income in the year that you put the money in, and then when you take the money out, that's when you pay the taxes. You know, it'll just be taxed. So, ideally, you know, it'll just be the interest that's taxed. If you leave it in there long enough and put in steady payments and it's earning a good bit of interest, the only tax that you're going to pay at the end 
is on the interest, you know, because the total amount will be far greater than the amount that you actually put in it yourself, you know, the principal. And then with a Roth IRA, you put the money in every year and it grows tax for tax free. So you put, you know, five grand into a Roth IRA, it does not reduce your taxable income in that year. But then the money that grows in there, as long as you leave it in there for at least five years, it grows tax free. So then when you take it out, as long as it's for specific purposes, uh, retirement, death, purchase of a home, I think there's some other ones, sickness, it's tax free. And you have to leave it in there for at least five years. But these are great tools to avoid capital gains tax. Now, the thing with these uh, investment vehicles is there's a max amount that you can put into them. I don't know them off the top of my head. It's, I think it's something like 15000 uh, But these are vehicles that are not real uh, effective for extremely ultra-affluent people. These are more like working-class people options to defer a bit of their tax bill and get some incentive to save for retirement and such. You, get, you reduce your taxable income by an amount that you invest in your traditional IRA or 401k. You invest $1,000 in a year into your 401k, that reduces your taxable income for that year by $1,000. And then that $1,000 you know, grows in that 401k tax deferred. And hopefully earns a decent bit of interest and hopefully continue to put money in there. And uh, you know, retire someday, live a decent life. Or we get to some day where you don't have to work. That's always cool. That'd be neat. Do I? I certainly have those aspirations. Um, how confident I am that that'll ever be achieved, I, I don't know. Live in a society that just doesn't really truly value such things and is more concerned with all kinds of other stuff. You know, should healthcare be a right? Education? Yeah. What is the argument against having hospitals and schools? Go. What is your argument against that? And as you try to say that's not your argument, well, well yes, it is. Um, so healthcare is a right means we have hospitals that exist, that are funded properly okay, to take care of people when they get sick, okay, that are properly staffed with medical professionals that we are properly training so that when people get sick, they can get healed and go on with their lives and get back to work and live their lives. Now, we already have hospitals. They already exist. So it's not reinventing the wheel. Universal health care is funding those places that take care of people directly and making sure that our citizenships, our workers, our people are taken care of. Okay, so that when people need checkups, when they get sick, when they need health care, they can go and get it. Okay, let's not muddle it. Let's not confuse it now. Simplify it. Pay for hospitals and healthcare clinics directly. This would obviously include optometry and uh, dentists as well, of course. Why would it not? That's a part of a full healthcare, you know, system. The main concern of the Republican Party is how do health insurance companies continue to remain profitable? Okay. That is their argument. That is their concern. As you listen to Republican pundits and Republican politicians rant and rave about socialism and stuff and whatever the heck and why we can't have hospitals as a right, 
why we can't have health care as a right. What their concerns are is how health insurance companies can continue to be profitable if health care is a right. In our current system, if you want health care, you have to pay a monthly fee to a health insurance company, and then when you go to a hospital, that health insurance company will pay a portion of the bill. Vast portions of the money that you pay every month will go to cover overhead costs of said corporation, a for-profit corporation. Corporation's purpose is to increase shareholder value, regardless of what sector of the economy it is in. Overhead of that corporation will include dividends to shareholders and bonuses to execs. A CEO of a massive health insurance company does very well, millions of dollars a year. Yes, part of your premium goes to cover that cost of the, of the company, that overhead cost. Yes. That is the Republicans' concern. The reason they are saying socialism is to scare you. Why is socialism scary? Well, because it's scary. It's a system where every single thing is publicly funded and everyone makes the exact same amount of money. That would be really stupid. Obviously, that would be stupid. That's really a dumb, dumb system. And people would are right to be leery of and anti-socialism. That, that's a very good thinking. Good on you to be anti-socialism. That's smart. Okay? And I'm the same exact way. Yeah. I do not want socialism. That would be stupid. However, having hospitals and schools would be really cool. And neat, neato thing, we already have those. So, again, it's not reinventing the wheel. But really, the thing is, the Republican Party is what it is, and they'll do anything to retain their power. There's millions of people that really dig the Trump show and hope the Trump show can stay on air indefinitely, you know, and are eager to have that show be, uh, you know, renewed for four more years back in 2024, you know. If, you know, the star of the show isn't under criminal indictment or serving time in prison or somehow deemed ineligible by being unable to pass a, a back, you know, criminal check, background check. I don't really quite understand how Donald Trump would pass a background check, but, you know, we're a weird country, you know. I suppose I'm still optimistic. I'm just a very impatient person. It's like, how long has this shit got to go on? I was just uh, kind of texting an old buddy the other day, and he's living in Florida. And there's the, just the, the, the ever so subtle, like, that he's really digging Florida. <laughs> at the fucking politics of Florida. It's like, cool, man. Whatever, man. I don't... It's... The hard part is the the, the being respectful of people's, you know, quote-unquote political views. Because, um... Donald Trump is what he is. And it's like, 
I know who he is and have been aware of him since I was a small boy. I know that he's not a person to aspire to. He's an anti-role model. You know, I was a young boy, you know, seven or eight years old, if not younger, when I learned that. When I learned that fact about the man, has he done anything to redeem himself since then? No, he has not. He's only gotten worse. Yeah. So, when a person says they're with Trump, that, well, that, that means they're with him. They're aligned with his values, with his ethics, with his code of morals, with his integrity, you know, his apathetic nature, his in, in sort of indifference to how his actions affect others. You're aligning yourself with that once you say you're a Trump supporter. So you're kind of immediately in a hole that you... It's like some, some people kind of realize they're in and, and try to find a way to kind of, well, you know, respecting political, I just, I respect other people's, but it's like, but you're a Trump supporter, you know, what does that mean that you respect other people's political views if you're a Trump supporter? What is your definition of fascism? You know, it's like, I'm all about respecting people's beliefs, but it's like, it is the the sort of philosophical wonder of our country. You have the right to believe whatever you want. You have, a, you, you have the right in our democratic, free speech, freedom of religion society to think that it shouldn't be that way, you know. In, in other words, you have the right to think that fascism is cool and that we should suppress people and stuff. You have every right to think it. Uh, it's When you actually engage in fascism, you are technically breaking the law, though, because fascism is violence and assault and suppressing people. It's suppressing freedom of speech, suppressing freedom of religion. Fascism in action is technically illegal in a democracy. However, thinking it's cool or thinking it's wonderful is perfectly fine. And so you can get into sort of philosophical debates about all kinds of things, socialism, communism, and, and sort of say, well, I think this system would be awesome. And, or no, I think this system, I think we should have an authoritarian state that whatever, blah, 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 blah. The thing is, once you go there and, and get to that, then it becomes You know, authoritarianism is, is very oppressive, uh, confining, controlling, dictating. Um, meddling is far too uh, passive a word to describe how the government would be intervening in your personal affairs. And um, it it's certainly a system that can kind of slow creep and then slam down, you know, really aggressively, you know, with little kind of hints maybe forecasting kind of like tempting see what they might be able to get away with um and that's kind of what we're still seeing with the republican party again they're openly declaring their affinity to trump a unabashed fascist really he doesn't use the word but that's what he is when you try to now again as soon as you're a trump supporter if your only response is a immediately turn off what i'm saying kind of proving the point because you don't have a defense. If your other is to try to change the subject, 
kind of proving the point. If you're unwilling to acknowledge what he is, then why is that? You know, if your response is to change the subject to the Democrats, why is that? That's that's changing the subject. Why are you unwilling to address what he is, what he's about? How has he lived his life? You know, how has he presented himself in in public? What are his virtues? You know, what is his moral code? What does he stand for? How does he treat people? You know. And these questions should be asked of a person representing our interests, regardless of what their political ideals are. So go back to the original Obama run. I was genuinely considering either candidate. I had a lot of respect for John McCain, even though I didn't really agree with any of his political views. I, you know, he, he was a decent man of conviction, you know, who could do wrong things at times, of course, but, uh, you know, a man of conviction, you know, principled. And he had been through hell for his country, um, like, probably in the most literal sense however many years he spent in a POW camp. My parents themselves had great admiration for the man. I was uh, born at Jacksonville Naval Air Station, February 22, 1980. It was the final command post of John McCain, so he was always kind of a, a almost mythical figure, even though, you know, I, I didn't really agree with his political ideals and stuff. So I, I genuinely pondered either option, but I haven't really uh, pondered a Republican in candidate since then because they've thrown out some pretty, you know, cheeseball, awful candidates in the years following that just leave a lot to be desired. So, you know, hopefully media can start presenting some better options to the conservative folk. I highly recommend Libertarian to those conservative friends mostly focused on cutting taxes and such, you know, for the working class, ideally. Wealthy don't need tax cuts. Working class could use them. Or at least better uh, deductions or something, you know. I don't mind paying a decent tax bill throughout the year, but I'd like to get a decent portion of it back, you know. Isn't the government using that money to pay for things that are earning a return and stuff? And, like, come on now. Give me some of that money back. I shouldn't have to owe you more money. Fuck, I already paid you over two grand this year. Actually, I think it was close to three grand already last year. Well, anyway... Still hopeful and confident that this will be a good year. I'm um, hopefully get some uh, things recorded, like singing-wise, this year. Been practicing a lot over the years, and I think it's got to a level that's adequate. Get vaccinated if you're not already. I'm fully vaccinated, boosted, and it's uh, it helps a lot. It, the boost has been a boost. It makes you feel good and better and sharper and healthier and make sure that you don't die from corona so many other ways to die in this world don't die from that make sure you register to vote stay safe out there god bless this is gary thinking out loud